Um, and they're out there selling for you because they're talking to their friends and saying, Hey, you know, I, you've probably done the same. It's like, you really, if you're down on the, sh- at the shore, you really got to go to, you know, this place. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it even extends beyond just being a customer. It's you, they become part of your sales and marketing arm and, um, they, they really need to be cared for and, and really appreciated. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So what else is new? What else is going on since we last talked yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yeah, we caught up for a bit yesterday. Stormy. You, and you'll say uh, you can keep that out there or something? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You can keep <laughs> that shit out there. We had, I mean, we had like 10 weeks of, and I guess we need it, like we need the moisture, but we had 10 weeks of like the faux uh, spring, you know, like, and now full-blown, like, just cold and wintry and snowy. And... So Yeah, I woke up with a headache this morning, and, like, the house was super warm while it got humid overnight. Mm. So, of course, you know, you got the heater on because it's winter. And, like, the other day, it was really, really cold. And now we're back to, it was, like, humid. I actually opened the windows for a little bit to, to, to just, like, cool down the house because it actually got really hot Yeah, uh, with all the humidity outside what how what how humid uh let's see um humidity uh i don't see it it's on my little weather app here at least it's not showing up immediately but i mean they're calling for rain Uh, so but yeah it's like that 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 spring you know you're mentioning spring um like that spring humidity like mm-hmm. that kind of feeling. Yeah. So hopefully it's signs that spring's not too far off. Around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And what's even funnier, uh, or what is funny, is Monday, it being President's Day, you know, we um, we took the kiddo bowling. I, and, saw, I saw pictures. Yeah. My sister-in-law brought uh, my, my niece and nephews down. And, well, Randy commented on the pictures. He was there 10 minutes before we got there. He had you know, oh, really? he just left. <laughs> like it was, it was funny. It was like, he had just left and we got in there. Mm. Um, but it was fun. It was the first time taking the kiddo bowling. He had a blast. He's like, he wants to do it again. So we're like, we can do that. That's a nice rainy day activity. Nice. Yeah. That sounds fun. Is, uh, is your, and I don't know how hot it gets in Philly, but is it, are you going to have to put your uh, fire pit stove away or is it still be no. able to pull it out in the in the evenings? No, I'll still be able to pull it out in the evenings, even in the summer. You know, like, you know, an evening, you know, you know, have the fire pit out, you know, at night. You, you can definitely do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely. I mean, when we get into July, you're not going to want it out in the middle of the day. Yeah. But like, you know, there were points last summer after the sun went down. Um 
you know, I had the fire pit out. I go outside with a drink and just chill with the fire pit outside. That sounds lovely. You know, it, it's actually been a little too cold lately. Mm. Or at least it was in early January. Um, and then just with everything else, I haven't had a chance to get it out. But it was a little too cold a couple times. I'm hoping, you know, as the weather, you know, at least uh, the really cold stuff goes away. Like, yeah, I can break out the fire pit. Yeah. And start burning stuff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds nice. I should pick me up one of those stoves. Oh, they're fun. Yeah. And I, uh, so I got it as a Christmas gift. Um, Christmas 2020. Mm. Uh, Suzanne got it for me. And, um, like we got like the smaller one, you know, and eventually I know I'm going to upgrade to the the medium sized one, the one in the middle. Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend that one. Um, I mean, the, the, the one we have is nice and small. I'm not going to get rid of it anytime soon. Uh, it's great for like, if you, if you go camping, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can take it with you and, um, like it's easy to, to store, carry, clean all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you take it, like, you can go take, go to a campsite and, you know, they may just give you the basic fire ring, you know, this, you can have a little bit nicer. Um, I would, you know, for the house, I would get maybe the bigger one. Yeah. But they're nice. Yeah. Cool. And then they they've got some nice accessories to go with it, of course. The accessory yeah. game, yeah, you got to upsell. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like they've got like the little basket you could put over top of it mm. to to prevent the embers from, you know, from you know when the wood cracks, you know, from the embers from that that coming out of the top of it. Yeah, um, I don't have that one, but I've got like you know a couple of the other pieces, and I'll tell you this: like they've got um, like the um, the set for like roasting marshmallows and cooking food uh, or whatnot, like the 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 steaks. Yeah, they're nice. It's have a you nice done a steak? Stuff. Have you cooked on it or? I haven't cooked on it, but we've like, we've done like s'mores with the kids. Okay, you know, we've had like friends and nieces and neighbors over, and you know, like we we've done that, and they clean up really really well. Cool. Yeah, I, I should I should invest in one. I have I have dreams of. Uh, I mean, I've got. I've got a canyon pass to get up into all the local canyons because they charge a, a use fee uh, to drive into the canyon. So I have a canyon pass. I can just drive up there. There's this incredible canyon, 10 minute drive from my house. And we, I probably go up in there once a year. I'm like, this is like stupid. Like I could literally say, you know what? I'm just going to go hang out in the canyon for the afternoon and take it off and take my little stove up and make a, make a little like, it's crazy that I don't take advantage. I have, so I have these dreams of like, okay, one day I'm going to decide like I'm going to make better use of that canyon and just go chill and get some zen. So mm-hmm. We'll see if I can make it happen. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I, I spent the fall working on the side of the house and there's a little bit more I want to do when the springtime comes around. But that's where I've got the fire pit right now. And yeah. I do. I have dreams come March of like, you know, Friday night after putting the kiddo to bed, just kind of going outside and either with like a book, like, or, or something and just chilling outside at the fire pit. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Like, and it's so like ever since my father passed, like all of a sudden I've gotten like this itch to do home improvement product projects. Mm. Like my dad was always handy and like, I was always there helping him do stuff. And then he, you know, when, when we bought this house, he came over and helped us with a few things, but now I've like got like the real itch 
like I'm looking at this one part of the basement, which is unfinished. And I'm like, Ooh, now <laughs> this, and I had this, maybe I could frame it out and, you know, maybe, you know, finish that off a bit more and I could do this and I could do that. And so now it's just making a list and getting myself organized to, mm-hmm. to actually be able to, to harness that kind of energy. Yeah. I can see you doing that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like, I've been ta- ta- talking to Suzanne. I'm like, I, I've got this itch, you know, and I don't know if whether it was just like kind of going through, through memories as we were preparing, you know, for my dad's funeral and like all of the crap he did in the house that we grew up. Like there's this funny story. I was in grade school at the time. And after they bought the house, like the way the house was, um, like there was a space out back that they put a deck on. And like there was like the kitchen window looked down the deck and then the family room kind of came off the dining room. And then from there, there was a window looking out onto it. And he had always talked about putting a sliding glass door on there. Well, the middle of January, we come home from school and he had knocked a hole in the side of the house <laughs> to install a sliding glass door. That's awesome. And he did like, he, he you know, like, the, the, you know, my mom has memories of my sister, like wrapped up in a blanket because. <laughs> there's a big <laughs> hole in the house in the middle of january yeah but like thinking I mean, like timing story, could have been better but it, it happened <laughs> but it happened and he got it done <laughs> yeah that's awesome so oh, that's awesome yeah well i'm gonna see how let's see how you're gonna uh, take this and uh transition it into our topic i i'm guessing you have something in mind actually i i, I really don't um, if anything, I was just thinking like a quick rehash of what we talked about last week. Cause I want to continue the conversation. It turned out to be like, I knew it was gonna be a fun one, but I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would, you know, and, and it was the, the idea of passive versus active, like ownership or management of, of a company. Mm-hmm. And we, we mm-hmm. looked at it from the perspective of, of a customer. And really we focused in on. You know, what, what, what you and I both have great examples of is like the small town, local mom and pop restaurant places that, you know, kind of pop up and they're great or like those that have been around for a while. Um, but, you know, we were talking really about the ones where like they start out really, really good and they're a great place to go and they're a favorite of people. But then something changes. Mm-hmm. People recognize there there was a change. And we, we focused on like, whether it's like the, the ownership kind of gets distracted Like you know, we talked about like the pull of the glitz and glamor of, oh, you could be a franchiser, you know, no, at this point you need to have 10 locations built. But then we also talked a bit about like giving credit to those that really kept focus on how the business got started and how it became successful. So I, I want to, to dig into that. And we did touch on it in pits. I want to maybe touch on a little bit more around the concept of quality. Yeah. Um, when it comes to this, and I also want to touch on the idea of regular customers. Mm. So, you know, again, we talked about it from the perspective, mostly from the perspective of, of a customer, you know, both you and I gave examples of, again, the businesses that we know, like that, where that were great and that all of a sudden something changed and you could recognize it. And then those that we know that we go to all the time and it's a great, great experience. And, you know, we, 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 you know, you get to know as the customer, you know, as a customer, the people there, it's like the, the regular staff and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I want to look at it from the, uh, from the perspective of the business and the idea of regular customers and how can this metaphor, this example that we're giving, of like the small town restaurant 
um, how can that be applied to a business like, like ours? How mm-hmm. can that be applied to um, businesses that are a little bit bigger? What, what does it mean to be a regular customer? But I kind of just ranted there, kind of just getting my thoughts out there of where I really want to go with this, this topic. And it's a lot to unpack. So let's, let's talk a bit more about, you know, the, the idea of quality. What is a quality experience? What does that mean, a, you know, having a quality experience from the perspective of like maybe a smaller business? And, and yeah, like what, what does it mean like when those things start to change? Very broad questions, maybe even not even great questions, but just no, kind of something to get us going. It's, it's, it's a really good question. And I think quality and experience comes from oh, oh, oh no. The prime, the, the prime truck is here making its daily stop. Speaking of prime, while I, while I delay, while Sadie's upset at the, the prime driver, I, uh, I bought one of these to play around with. It's the, um, it's the like Wacom the, tablet. Yeah. The tablet for the computer. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, I bought it at six o'clock the other night, just as a like random pur- purchase. It was like super cheap. It was like half price or something on Amazon. I'm like, this would be stupid not to buy it. So I bought it at six o'clock and, and it arrived at nine o'clock that night. Wow. That that's, that's insane. This dog is crazy. Yeah. So there's at least, yeah, I think it's still there. There's a Amazon distribution center in Newcastle, Delaware. Is it Newcastle or Newark? No, not Newcastle, Newark, Newark, Delaware, which is maybe about an hour away from here. And like back before they had like same day delivery and, and overnight delivery wasn't as big. Like the big thing was, two-day delivery and that was the big sell on amazon prime getting yep. the free two-day delivery yep. i would know if anything came out of there we would actually get it next day that's crazy i i mean talk about good experiences like yeah you know, we can say what we want about amazon and and kind of dog is like gacking herself she's so upset at the driver mm-hmm. um but you know they've thought about the entire experience from purchasing online to delivery and it's just and i guess maybe that was a good a good segue for what i wanted to talk about anyway um they've been deliberate in thinking about the entirety of the experience and i and and i think a lot of businesses think tend to think about certain aspects of the business like well we want to have like the product be a good experience or we want to have when you come you know pick something up or when you place an order but experiences everything right it's the sum of all of the touch points that you have with the company go into defining that experience and you can tell the companies that have thought deliberately about designing a really high quality positive experience because it's clear they've thought about all of these different touch points and made it happen and i and i think that tends to happen on a bigger scale right because it's it's hard to do once you start growing and you're a bigger company. Um, on the on the flip side of it, I think there are companies that just have a purpose of 
doing things differently. And this is kind of your smaller companies where I don't even know if they're thinking about it. And I think, I can't remember if we were on air or off air when we talked about it last week, but there's an Ace Hardware down the street, like locally. I think we were off air. Okay. Locally owned, like this small little shop, literally in a neighborhood. It's not even in an industrial commercial part of town, you know, and I I don't know that their owners are really sitting down and having strategy meetings about what kind of experience do we want our customers to have. But it's clear that whatever they're doing, that there's something fundamentally different about the experience of going into that Ace Hardware versus going into Home Depot. And, you know, it is just such a fantastic experience every single time. The last time I was there, and this is what we were talking about off air last week was, um, I had a sprinkler automatic sprinkler issue last year. Um, it was not a very straightforward fix. I went into the ACE hardware, you know, an older gentleman there that had been working. I'm like, all right, man, here's the problem. And he pulls out a piece of paper and a pencil and starts diagramming and sketching. All right, here's what we're going to (laughs) do, you know, and then runs off and gets all the parts and, And then, you know, it's just, he's like, let me know how that works out, you know? And then the cashier up front was super friendly. I'm like, I would never, well, it would be a one in a million, one in, you know, 100,000 chance that I would have that experience at Home Depot. It seems like I have that experience every single time Mm -hmm. at that location. And that's actually, you know, Ace Hardware, um, they're franchises, you know, they're, they're, you know, to use a cliche, locally owned. Um, so I, that's what they pride themselves on. Um, I, I worked with H H hardware several, several years ago. Um, and that was one of the things they did. They, they prided themselves on that, you know, it was your local hardware store, you know, so the owners had, you know, like, like your typical franchise had the power of like a national nationally recognized name. Mm -hmm. Um, the distribution networks and whatnot, but they still had to run the business. It wasn't like just a corporate, you know, another corporate store. This was something they had to to run. So yeah, like that is our, that kind of experiences. That's actually one of the things they pride themselves on with their, their setup enables for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I, how they know they could, that's how they try to compete with your home depots and Lowe's. It, and, and I think we've thought about that as, as well, right? We've talked about, you know, what does it mean to like a small business like, mm-hmm. like ours? We've, we've talked about that a ton um, in that we're, we're realistic. Like we, we, from a pure like firepower, muscle, ability to staff engagements, we can't compete with Accenture or, you know, Deloitte or Infosys or Infotrust or what, like, we can't compete with these multi-thousand dollar, multi-thousand consultant agencies. We we just can't do it. Um, and and in fact, we we can't compete from just a pure staffing perspective with like the hundred, two hundred person agencies. And so we've talked about it. it's like, well, what makes us different? You know, what can we do that those other agencies simply can't do? And we we've kind of you know it's kind of the the classic David and Goliath story where we've said, okay, well. We'll make what we do about really humanistic, hands-on, experience-based services in in such a way that other companies that are that have other advantages over us that we won't have would be unable to compete. So while they may be able to compete on size, 
they're going to have a really, really difficult time competing with us on experience. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's such a, it's such a, a fascinating, um, it's such a fascinating conversation. Um, and my mind always goes to, I, I continually go back to the Simon Sinek, um, Ted talk from, I, it was a long time ago. Cause it, it, it seems like it was a long time ago. Cause the video quality is really sketchy. Um, but you know, it's the one where he's talking about the iPod and, and it's really, yeah. he's talking about like, you know, why do companies do business? And it's all about purpose and revenues, not a purpose revenues and output and outcome. Um, but you can tell you, I think for us, because we've been so deep in thinking about experience that it, it almost has become second nature for us to go out into the world and be like, okay, I can tell that this company has made revenue their purpose. Or I can tell that, you know, this company, I don't know what it is, but their purpose is something other than revenue because you can tell it's just a completely different experience with them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, you made me think of like, you know, what, you know, you, you, you have the story with the, the local hardware store. And I mean, that that's come to mind, too. I've had those experiences as well, where you kind of go in. And it's like, I'm looking for this kind of screw. Like, I mean, no lie, this happened. Like, I, I'm looking for this kind of screw. And he's like, all right, come with me, come with me. And has like, you know, it takes me over to this aisle where it's nothing but a bay of drawers. And he starts pulling stuff. He goes, ah, here's what you need. And like, you know, down to like literally helping me find a specific screw. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I've, I've had that as well. And we, we did, we spent a lot of time talking about like the small mom and pop restaurant. And I gave like the story of like the Jersey shore, like it's a tourist area, but the population drops by 80% in the off season. And the off season is labor day all the way through to Memorial day. So nine months out of the year is the off season those three months the population explodes with all the tourists but mm. in those towns like it's it's the way it is and like i've never been to the outer banks but i've talked to family about the outer banks it's very similar there but then you think of other tourist towns like like a vegas or or an orlando um or something like that where it's all chain places these places like if it's a chain it's five stores across five towns kind of mm. thing you know or it's, it's one or two restaurants that they own um and I'm, I'm trying not to get too um too too off topic but like I, that's the visual as i think of this like the active versus passive ownership i think of these kind of restaurants and like the experience going in in the off season where normally these places and a lot of them are, are small and quaint, uh, but the food's good. And for a lot of people, it's tradition going there, but like, it may be a 45 minute wait, a 50 minute wait in the summer. You know, you walk right in and the majority of the restaurants open to you, you walk in like, all right, grab a table. We'll be right over. But the, the, the experience with that is, is you've got the owner behind the counter. Yeah. The owner may even be like the one who takes your order. Mm -hmm. kind of thing or you see the same regular people over and over again and like they like when you were talking earlier about like they're not sitting there thinking about what a quality experience is it's with a business like this it's like we don't have time to sit down and come up with you know like the corporate like this is what it means to work here and this is what it means for you know joe's coffee shop experience it's no it's this is just the way it is. And the, the, those people that are there, like, it's just part of who they are. 
Yeah, and I, and I think I talked. We did. We talked about the story of the local um, sandwich shop where the owner was always there making the sandwiches. Yeah, and it it it's something that I don't think you can replicate. You can get close, but I think it's probably near impossible to to replicate. Um, having the owner actively engaged in the business just is is something that is incredibly hard to to replicate. Um, and I and I think it can be incredibly advantageous to to have that that there because it just it it instantly brings a whole other level of of care um i think it shows a great example for the rest of the team on you know how to interact and treat with with customers um and so you know it's 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 just a it's a hard thing to to compete against. In fact, I was talking to a prospect a couple of weeks ago and they flat out asked me, they said, well, what makes you different then? And then they said, you know, a name of a, a competing agency, like a midsize agency, 500 or 50 to 150 person consulting company. Like what makes you better than them or what makes you different than them? I'm like, I own this company <laughs> and I am actively involved in not only selling, but I work with our clients. I talk to them every day. I talk with our team about how things are going. I know the CEO and owner of that other agency. He's backpacking across Europe and, you know, fishing out in the Black Sea or like, you know, having all these adventures. And yay for him. That's awesome. He has no idea what's going on with his company. And I will tell you that fundamentally, the experience you will have with us is completely different you will have than have with them. The work may be the exact same. Like you may get the output, the quality output may be the exact same. But having a positive experience and 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 something that's going to be memorable and you're going to be glad you did it, they simply can't compete with that. And I and I can tell you that without a fact because I'm involved every day and you just simply can't replicate that. Mm-hmm. It's a secret weapon, you know. Yeah, and and this is actually one of the you know one of the things we did touch on last time um, is that like this is the hardest thing when it comes to scaling a business. Like this is the hardest thing to do, at least in my experiences, is um, yeah, th- this kind of like the care the the owner the owner brings. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, but, you know, thinking of that, like, you know, you, you were talking there, like you had a prospect talking to you about like, what makes this different? And you're like, well, I'm the owner. I'm here every day. Like I'm, you know, I'm talking to, to prospects. I'm talking to, to clients, you know, I'm, I'm actively involved. Like, like what is your then definite, like, how do you think of what it means to be a regular customer? of 33 sticks. And let me ask you why I'm asking that question the way I am again, using our, our, um, examples of the small mom and pop business. Like, you know, if we look at the ones that are in seasonal towns, yes, you make the majority of your money during, during the on season when the crowds are there, but the regulars who wait for the crowds to go away, whether they, they live in the town permanently and they're part of the remaining 15 to 20% that are there in September and October, <laughs> yeah. and November, or they're ones like my wife and I who have no problem jumping in the car at 8 a.m. on a Saturday to just go down and take a ride and see the beach in March. And we'll stop by one of these places to eat while we're there. 
these are your regulars. They're the ones that get you through the lean times, you mm-hmm. know, the the low season and whatnot. And the reason why I'm asking this question, because I was talking with a client yesterday and it's actually someone that was involved in the engagement when we first kicked off with them six years ago. And then he had since moved on to other positions in the company and now he's taking on a new role. And he, he, you know, he reached out with a question and like what he's going to be building is still like in the, the conceptual, the conceptual phases. Hold on. I forgot to mute my phone. Uh, so it's like dinging left and right. Um, uh, you know, and it's in the early conceptual phases. So we're one of the first ones he asked, you know, to like start getting, giving some, him some input on what he's, he's building. I'm like, this is the regular person that comes into my restaurant in November when all the crowds are gone. And this is the part like, am I making sense? Like, is this metaphor translating? Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very much so. And I think for, for lots of, especially small businesses like ours, you're right. It's, it's, it's the regulars that keep the the company going. They smooth things out. They're, they're your consistency. Um, they're the ones that are there when you need them the most. And specifically, you know, we've talked about restaurants, you know, in the, the first part of the pandemic, restaurants, I mean, I guess all through the pandemic, but very early on hit incredibly hard uh, during the pandemic and where, you know, we didn't have indoor dining or there's like, it was, it was really challenging. And I've heard from several small restaurant owners say it was our regulars that helped us survive. You know, they stepped up, you know, they were, they were coming in and tipping 3000% and like crazy stuff, right? It's like, because they are invested in us as we're invested in, in them and the community. And it was because of them that, that we survived. So I think, you know, we can think about those lean times and when there's challenges, the the regulars are the ones that are, are there to step up, but they're there the whole time. And I think they're really the lifeblood of, of any small, small business, because to your point, like they help kind of bring things through season to season. They're the ones that are showing up, but they're also ones that are your biggest advocates, um, and they're out there selling for you because they're talking to their friends and saying, Hey, you know, I, you've probably done the same. It's like, you really, if you're down on the, sh- at the shore, you really got to go to, you know, this place. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it even extends beyond just being a customer. It's you, they become part of your sales and marketing arm and, um, they, they really need to be cared for and, and really appreciated. And we, you know, we've definitely tried to do that with our regulars. In fact, we've, we've tried to, to design the business in such a way where most of our, our customers are regulars, you know, we'll have the occasional transient customer that comes in and then, you know, has a cup of coffee and then leaves and, and that's okay. It kind of provides a nice little bump, maybe a change of pace. But for us, we really built this for, for regulars, you know, this, this is the place where we want that kind of hometown feel like the cheesy like cheers everybody knows your name like that's i i have the theme song playing in the back of my <laughs> yeah. head as you're leading up to that um uh, you know that's that's what we've we've tried to to create and you know it, it it's not lost on me how important those customers are you mentioned this one that has been around for six seven years like it's not lost on me that customers like that have been critical in our health as a company and our ability to grow um, and our ability to do wonderful things for our employees. So it is not lost on me how important those, those regular customers are. 
And I think it's, it's also important to not take them for granted. Um, I think, you know, you can kind of get to a place where it's like, ah, they always, you know, Jim always shows up and gets a sandwich here. So we didn't, you know, we'll just expect it to happen. It's like, in fact, we actually need to think the opposite. We need to go out of our way to make sure that Jim is happy and celebrate him coming in and not take it for granted that he's just going to show up. And so that's something that I think about all the time. You know, how can we keep ourselves from becoming complacent that, you know, six year customer is just going to keep showing up because it's an easy trap to fall into. Um, the one we need to remember, we need to avoid because they are so critical to, mm -hmm. to our success. And the one thing also to think about with, with your regular customers is they may not be the biggest spender in a sp single visit, right? They may be the one who is stopping into the restaurant for, you know, just a slice of pie and a cup of coffee. They're not getting the full meal. They're not getting the appetizer. They're not getting an entree. You know, it's just, you know, husband and wife, you know, stopping in or, you know, parent and child, like, Hey, let's make it, let's stop, let's stop in. Let's get, you know, a cup of coffee and a slice of cake or a slice of pie. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think of that, like, I know places that people do that. They just go up to, there's like a little like bar area and, you know, you can kind of go up, grab a seat get that they're not going to spend that much in a single visit versus maybe someone who's in town for one time only and they come in and have a big dinner there and if we were if we were to apply that to to like a business like ours it's very easy to get distracted by the big contract whereas you know that that, that regular they may not have the biggest contract per se but they're there year after year Mm -hmm. And that, that's that, that, you know, to your point, taking them for granted and getting distracted. That's the one big mistake I think businesses make when it comes to their regular customers and regular customers is not meant to like, people think of like, oh, the regulars, you know, regular it's, it's, it's frequency. They're there, you know, all the time. It's not to say, oh, they're just regular versus you know, special customers, you know, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. I wanted to clarify that, like, you know, calling someone a regular customer is not meant to be a, a, like a status or a, like a, a denotion of like status of, you know, better customer versus less. But I think businesses do make that mistake. They look at, you know, purchase value yeah, instead of frequency. Yeah, and lifetime value, and again, the the values that are above and beyond the the invoice, right? In that, um, as a as a loyal long term customer, the the revenue you're collecting from that customer is just one part of the equation, and you know them advocating for you, them helping you sell deals, them marketing for you, you have to put a value on that because that is incredibly incredibly valuable, and you need to think about that um, because I, I I definitely think it helps. Um, it helps these businesses achieve what they're, they're trying to, to do. Um, and you know, a lot of times, um, it doesn't even need to be over and above like craziness or big things. Like sometimes it can just be incredibly small things and I'll, I'll share, I'll share two examples. So I think I talked about the local burger place. I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but 
you know, I went to the local and we, we did talk about JCWs and being able to scale to like four or five locations yes. and yep. they've been able to do it really well. You know, I went there the other day and they took like five seconds to write like a nice little message on the fry sauce lid. It's like, that, that's how we kicked off the conversation. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it can be as simple as that. Um, there's a, a hometown restaurant in the college town that I went to, uh, to college that I lived in for five or six years while I was going to college, um, single location. And, uh, this may seem may seem silly, but one of the things that made me feel the best is the day that I got to sit in the front, um, because so you have like it, the the restaurant was split into two pieces, so it had the, this large dining room kind of in the back, and then up front you had this really thin old school classic diner where you had the the actual diner to the the bar, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you had like one row of booths, um, and it was kind of small, and they they reserve that section for like the hardcore locals. And so all the college kids, the transients, they would get in the back, right? Like, and, and the day that I showed up and I got seated in the front, I'm like, Oh man, I feel so special, <laughs> you know? And it didn't yeah. really take anything other than them letting me sit in the front, but man, it made me feel, feel good and appreciated, you know? Yeah. So no, no, I totally get that. Like I, I have memories as a kid of places like that my my grandparents would take me or like you know yeah yeah like there's some i'm not gonna get into but like so my my grandparents would take me or my my parents would take me and they would like you know like these places made you feel special yeah and and again like i do i they're not sitting there saying like what is our mission statement what is is our experience (laughs) it's just like it's inbred and yes it the owner's involved that is the secret weapon. And it is, yeah. it is very hard to scale that. Like, how do you scale your, you know, the, the mentality that your employees give a shit like you do. It's hard. And I don't want to make it like seem easy because it's not. And that's why I do. I think like these, what's that? That's Will. Oh, <laughs> um, he's got a huge smile on his face for some reason. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. You want to be on camera? The people want to see you. Don't pinch your fingers in the door. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, like they, like they're not, like they're not sitting there, you know, like, you know, having again, like, you know, meetings, like brainstorming sessions with a whiteboard. And what does it mean to come into our restaurant? No, it's like, this is my restaurant. And, yep. you know, I'm going to be here on the front line <coughs> with my employees. And, um, <laughs> You know, I'm going to do the same things I'm going to expect you to do because that's the other thing too is is the biggest way to turn most people off is being a hypocrite. Yeah, and like I, I, you know, one of the jobs I worked uh, early in my career, you know, the 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 manager, the the general manager, was like, you know, I, I wouldn't ever ask you to do something I wouldn't do. Well, when it came, except when it would come to this. And well, except when it would come to that. So that that was a, just a, a a big lie. Yeah. And like it, it wasn't something like that. But then, you know, it, and and it shows in the way the employees act. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, we that's where I think we spend. When I say we, like you, me, others in the companies, have been spending a lot of time thinking about like. Just how do we make that organic and natural? Because you can tell, like you can tell when this, this works. Um, 
He thinks he's so sneaky. Come on, come get on camera. Say hi. Ah, <laughs> uh, quickly got through. Um, but I, I think it comes down. I think you're right. I think it comes down to caring and 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 leading by example. Um, and I, I was thinking about this. So, I, man, I recorded this YouTube video like. 11 or 12 years ago about an experience I had at a hotel in Santa Monica and I tile, I titled it just care. I'm like, I had such an, and this was like not a fancy hotel by any means. It was a very budget hotel, um, down by the beach, but it was such a phenomenal experience because every single person that I ran into in a hotel, like, I'm like, every one of these people care. It is so bizarre to me. And it just made for such an amazing, wonderful experience. And again, like that doesn't need to be expensive. You know, you don't need to like invest a huge budget in making people care. It's just, just care. And it, and it really, you know, and I'm going to share one story uh, because you brought up your grandparents there. I, there was a, so my grandpa uh, owned a franchise, a Hallmark franchise on a small main street in the town he lived in. Um, and also on that main street was a drugstore. So think of like an independent Walgreens or CV CVS. Yep. You know, it had greeting cards, it had knickknacks, it had your pharmacy. Uh, I know and, exactly the tip you're talking about. And I, it had I've been to a, one. a little lunch counter. Yeah. And my my grandpa would take me at least once a week, it seemed, to that drugstore to to have lunch, and we'd get a greasy hamburger and fries and a shake. And to this day, I'm convinced that's the greatest hamburger in the world. But part of me is thinking, I don't know that it was really that great of a hamburger, but the experience was so incredible. It didn't matter who was working or who was behind the counter that day. If we went in there, it was, hey, Frank, how you doing? How's business? I was in the store the other day. I saw, you know, you got some new shipments in. You having a caramel marshmallow shake today, which was his favorite. You know, oh, I see you have your grandkids with you. And, you know, it just was every time you, you were made to feel like you were the only one in that store, like yeah. you were made to feel special, you know, and it didn't take any extra effort or work from them. It just was, it just felt natural. It was like who they were. Well, you, 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 you hit on it. It's, it doesn't cost a lot. And I think that's part of the problem is as companies try to scale this, they think they can just throw money at this problem. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, as they start to scale and, and again, the thing is the one, the other thing too, about your regular customers, we talked about how, you know, they're going to help you get through the lean times. They're going to be your biggest advocates. We touched on it last week from the perspective of the customer. You also need to think of it as the person, you know, the, as the business owner, your regular customers are going to be the first ones to notice when things change. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the first ones who notice when quality goes downhill quality, whether that being quality of the food quality of some other kind of product that you're selling. Um, maybe you're not, you know, maybe you've changed distributors or something and the quality just isn't there like it used to be. They're going to notice a change in just employee demeanor. Mm -hmm. They're going, they're going to be the first ones to notice. And I think like I kind of went on a little mini rant toward the end of last week's episode where I was saying like, it ticks me off when, you know, people like when, you know, people kind of give you crap for complaining about something that you frequently buy or go to or something like that 
No, it's like, you know, you being there frequently, you buying that product frequently, you notice when the quality changes. Yeah. You notice that you're the first one to pick up on it. Yeah. Um, so, hey, hey. I mean, Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. So I was gonna say like, that, that's the other key, the third key piece when talking about your regular customers is they're going to be the first ones that notice when things change. Mm -hmm. So talking about like, you know, businesses, when they try to scale that, 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 that experience where the experience the customers were getting when the owner was active in the day-to-day -day running, the day-to-day -day management of stuff. And I get it. Like, you know, if you do want to scale, if you want to grow your business, it is something that, you know, you may not be able to be involved, ever, you know, in the day to day like you used to, but how they try to solve the problem with it is just throw money at it. Yeah. So here's a budget to make customers happy. Here's our make customers happy budget. Mm -hmm. you know, if someone's complaining about something, pull money out of this, pull money out of that. Instead of getting to the root of the problem, which is, is how do we make sure that the employees, that there is a culture yeah. that the employees care the way ownership does i mean that's it right i mean that's that really is the gold nugget of this conversation is that yeah i mean as you grow and you scale it's okay well let's throw money at it let's 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 put together a playbook that we'll send to our employees and say here's how you act and here's how you do in these situations and like no no, no. The, all of this is wrong it's it should just be investing in creating a culture where organically your employees care and then everything else takes care of itself. As long as you've been clear in your purpose and your reason for existing and your values as a company, you don't need to spend time like whining and dining customers and, and building complex workflows and strategies. No, like just care, just empower your, your employees to care. And that's, that's what makes the difference in these companies that, that scale. And I would say, a takeaway, whether you're a business owner or in management, and you are looking to scale, stay closely connected to your regulars and be attuned to what they're telling you. And that could be in their words, that they're providing direct feedback about what's not working now as you scale, or it could be in their purchasing. They may just stop or slow their purchasing. You need to pay attention to it. In fact, I've seen it happen at least once locally with a restaurant that had become successful and was starting to scale and the experience changed. The quality went downhill. I don't know if there were regulars actually talking to them, but I know the regulars were talking to them because when I went in there, the regulars stopped showing up. I'm like, uh Oh, you know, the regulars are voting with their money that we don't like the changes that you're making. It's not, reflective of the experience that we're used to, which made you special. I'm like, this is not, if, if they don't listen to the regulars not showing up, this isn't going to work. And it's hard because, you know, you get that taste of success and you're like, oh, we want to magnify this. We want to blow this up and scale it, make it huge and make all this money. And, you know, I get that. But if, if you're, if you're true to your cause and why you started the business in the first place, you can grow, you can scale, but you have to say when's enough enough, you know, like when is making enough enough and I don't want to make more if it's going to destroy the very thing that I set out to create in the beginning. And with this one restaurant, it, it happened. Like, I'm like, they're not listening. They're not listening. The regulars aren't showing up, crash and burn out of business, you know? And, and here's the thing, like revenue is a trailing indicator of that. That's why, to your it point, is, you, yeah. you need to be in touch with those regular customers. You need to make sure that you have uh, an idea of how they feel. Mm 
about things because you're not going to see the revenue change immediately. That's mm-hmm. going to be something. And when it becomes obvious, it may be too late. It might be too late. Yeah. You know, by the time it really shows up that, oh God, like those people that we used to count on during the low season, if we're in a tourist town, um, yep. you know, that would help us get it, get it through. Because like, again, I use the Jersey Shore as an example, because I mean, yes, I also have a romantic view of the small town. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've, I grew up in the suburbs, but like I, I've, I've told you several times, like where I'm at in the suburbs, it's not the suburbs anymore. Yeah. It, it's one it's step the below the city. Yeah. It's one step below the city at this point. Um, like we are, we are like, you know, in one of the more densely populated areas of the state outside of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh and state college. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because everybody lives here and either commutes into Philly, Philly or commutes up to New York mm. because it's a two hour train ride yeah. from here to New York. But that aside, like I have this romantic view of the small town and, you know, I definitely eventually want to, you know, live in in a small town the jersey shore is pretty close it gives me that taste of it in the off season but like there's businesses that they are seasonal businesses they they close right after labor day or maybe they go to the first weekend in october and then they don't open up again until till april but then there are those that are year-round and if they don't keep in touch with their regular customers they're not going to survive while they make and and the reason i know some of the stuff is is about 20 years ago, right as I was getting out of college, a friend and I were actually looking to open up a business in one of the shore towns. Mm. And we were talking with people and they're like, you will make, you know, depending upon like the type of business, you'll make the amount of money you would make 12 months a year in where I'm at now in three to four months. But like, if you're going to be open all year round, you need to make sure that you take care of the regu- the locals and take care of the regulars, because if not, you will go out of business. Yeah. Or you got to be really, really good with budgeting that, you know, the money that you make in those three to four months, you know, tide you over. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love that as the takeaway from this conversation, speaking of, of regulars in that one, don't take them for granted. Um, they are a critical piece to your success as a company. And two, listen to them, especially if you're looking to scale at any type of pace. Use them as your barometer that are we are we making decisions to scale in a smart way? Because if your customers, again, either verbally or non-verbally are telling you they don't like the changes and the experience you're creating, you should listen to them because they're they're most likely right. Yeah. Cool. So I want to wrap up there. Um, I have a few more things I want to dig into in this topic, which will continue next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, that's a great place to wrap up. Awesome. It was a good, uh, good conversation. Yeah. I'm really, really enjoying this topic. Yeah. It's a fun one. Um, yeah. because also like there, there are sometimes it's like, God, I should just open up like some kind of little sh- sh- uh, business that's like a shack on the beach. <laughs> you know, I could live on the beach. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there, there are days where I think of that. Yeah, I hear you, man. Cool. All well, right. Well, thank you much. And we'll talk to everybody later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. 
If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.